All right, everybody, welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Um, and it's a very special week, you guys, because we are joined by Carly Lane Perry. She is a freelance writer and, more importantly, romance reader. Thanks so much for coming, Carly. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> So, Carly, did you choose this book? Is this the one that you requested? Um, so Aaron reached out and said, we're going to do it. We want you We want you to come on. I said, absolutely, yes. And then she said, <laughs> uh, people have been asking us to do a Tessa Bailey. And I said, well, there are actually some Tessa Baileys that I have not read yet. So if you guys want to do one that I also haven't read, I'm totally down for that. Um and then I think you gave you gave me a choice, Aaron, and I said either of those is fine. So then you were like, "Let me go talk to Clayton." <laughs> so then it all converged on this book, which I had not read before. Um, there, there. She's an author that literally, anytime she has a new book, though, for the most part, I will pick up and then and read and finish in that same day because you just can't put down a Tessa Bailey. Honestly, it's pretty tough for me. Um, but I think the first I think the first of her books I read was was something that she wrote for the one of the entangled imprints, um, something with the cop and a, and, she, and the and the heroine's like a grifter and she plays pool and there's sex on a pool table, something like that. So <laughs> but this one I had not read. So I'm really excited because it was a first for me, too. Nice. Yeah, we the, the funny thing about Tessa Bailey, too, is that when people recommend her to us, most of the time they're just like, read any Tessa Bailey, like, just please, God. And so we had only actually gotten that were on my list two two possibilities. And it was this one and it was another one. Um, I can't remember the title. But I made an executive decision without consulting Clayton, ultimately, after I lied to you and said I would. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like at this stage, I know Clayton better than I know myself. So in reading the descriptions, I was like, this is the one Clayton's going to want. Yeah. yeah. I like it better that way. <laughs> when she just tells you what to do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Clayton's, he'll, he'll, re- he'll rarely complain. But of course, we read uh, Getaway Girl by Tessa Bailey, the first one in her girl series. So there's three more books after this, a book and a novella anyway. Um, So let's judge the cover. Yes. So I was thinking, and I don't know how you you feel about this, but when I was looking at this cover, it reminded me of the poster for that movie that Alicia Silverstone was in. Called yes. the crush. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not exactly the only one. one. <laughs> I don't know that movie. Oh my oh. gosh! What That's the one with Carrie Elwes, right? Where yes, he plays the writer who is staying in this house, and I think it's a, it's, it's he's staying in the guest house or mm-hmm. the garage apartment that her her parents own. He's renting it out for the summer to like work on his. He's working on a book, right? And then she's Alicia Silverstone, who I think is like 15 in this movie. It's a, it's a, it's like a thriller. She yes. definitely tries to seduce Carrie Elwes. Um, <laughs> the the bonkers thing about this movie that I love is that uh, the writer of the movie based it on this girl that he knew in real life, and he and he initially had her real name in the in the movie. Um, and then and then it it was, I guess, in post-production or something that he realized he didn't have permission to use her like they were going to sue him for using her real name. So they had to go in and ADR uh, Alicia Silverstone's character's name for the entire movie. So if you ever see a difference in Carrie Elwes's lips moving versus the name that he actually says, like, I think it's is it is it Darian was the original and then they had to change it to Adrian or it's the other way around. But his mouth never matches up with the name that he, cause they had to have him do really obvious, terrible ADR for the whole movie. It's amazing that it got that far and nobody was like, Hey, should we think about the name? Right. Especially if the name is Darian, which is a very like specific name. So you, so you guys, nobody thinks that this girl wouldn't want to have her name 
be associated with a character that is a sociopathic Lolita. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like no one ever questioned that. It makes honestly, it makes it makes the movie itself. You're like, oh, so this is you. This is definitely like a little bit of a wish fulfillment <laughs> movie for the writer. Because I mean, not like, even oh, a this little gorgeous bit. woman is throwing herself at me. This, you know. It's it's definitely, but it's such a bonkers movie. Aaron, you have to watch it. It's pretty. I know. It sounds like I do. But yes, to go back to your initial reaction to this cover, it de- it does have very strong crush vibes. I like the simplicity of it though. Like I like that it's just the church in her reflected in her sunglasses. Although I don't know if the lipstick. I'm like the lipstick thing doesn't really doesn't really play in that I remember. Yeah, well, because it it. I think the thing with the lipstick, and I don't know why this is, but it feels sinister to me when this is not a sinister book at all. Mm-hmm. Like the red frames around her glasses, the real red lipstick, and then the getaway girl written in lipstick. And then the church is in, like you said, the church is reflected. I, there seems to, like, it makes me feel like there's going to be something scary happening, or at least like, it does make it seem like she's a femme fatale yeah. in a way that she's not in this actual book. Yeah. I, I mean, I really like the cover a lot, but for some reason, the way that she is, it feels like she's laying down. So then I'm like, where is the church just hovering <laughs> above her in the sky um, in heaven? Oh, right, right. Where churches are. Um, Where's your church? <laughs> I agree. I think you could take out the lipstick and it would be just like a little bit more effective, but overall a really great cover and also a good job of the cover model actually looking like what I imagine Addison to look like the main Mm -hmm. character Mm -hmm. that doesn't always work, but I feel like, yeah, I was more or less picturing this chick the whole time and it worked. For sure. (laughs) All right, Clayton, what was the book about? This book is about Addison Potts, who is at Elijah DuPont's wedding, where Naomi, who is Elijah's fiance, leaves him at the altar. She gives him a ride, and then they strike up a romance. Problem is, he is running for mayor, and... Well, this is a spoiler, but of course you listen to this and we're going to spoil it. Addison is the cousin of Naomi, but isn't actually her cousin. She turns out to be her half-sister because of some, you know, sexual kind of tomfoolery going on in the family. And the whole thing is, do... um, his family and Naomi's family don't want Addison to be around because it's it could be bad press for him, which it, it doesn't actually end up being. People seem to really, really love it. Um, and then whether or not he's ready to be with somebody after being jilted. That's kind of the big out view of it. But there's more that happens and a lot of dirty talk. A lot of dirty talk. I'm sure you guys have have already heard that Tessa Bailey, everybody likes to call her the queen of dirty talk, which I feel like a lot of times is only the hero doing the dirty talk in her books. Like this was one I read where I was like, wow, the heroine's she's given as good as she's getting in in these scenes, Um, which is not always the case in the Tessa Bailey. I feel like a lot of times she'll write the hero, you know saying something dirty and then the heroine's like what like (laughs) i'm no one's ever talked to me like this before but i like it you know and then but i i i liked that addison was definitely as 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 primes to to say some dirty stuff it was it was very refreshing yeah it's it was weird because elijah seemed it elijah's dirty talk seemed to come out of nowhere which what is what Addison also felt like where because he didn't even swear he was a very, you know, southern gentleman. Mm -hmm. And then when he comes with the dirty talk, she was really surprised. But I I actually did not think that that was out of character for him because there are people that are like that, that are very buttoned up in, in regular life. But then once they get into a situation like that, they're they just go off. 
which yeah. I actually really enjoyed. I thought that was cool that he could just like cut loose and be filthy. And I do think that Tessa's hair, Tessa's heroes in general are not, uh, they're, they are very polite until they get into the bedroom and that's, you know, or, or wherever they end up having a little bit of naughty, naughty time. But, um, yeah. Mayoral <laughs> office. <laughs> right. I, but it also, I think it, a lot of it coincides with, this is a woman that I, that I am, uh, I have never met before and someone who's going to completely upseat my life. And so I'm going to do things and say things that I never thought I could do or say. Like, I think a lot of, even the dirty, for Elijah, even the dirty talk surprises him too. He's like, I've never, I've never been like this <laughs> with a woman. Yeah. It wasn't like this with Naomi. You know, he's, but he's like, but there's something about this woman that just makes me want to, you know talk about my dick a lot you mm-hmm. know and, <laughs> and it's good when so. she agrees that that's something we should do <laughs> mm-hmm. she definitely does a few things i was very surprised she does a couple things to him that he's never uh experienced before which i which i kind of liked i was like when was the last time i read read a, a romance where she puts a she puts a finger up his butt i don't know <laughs> well, it's <laughs> the gate the first yeah. time they have sex, yeah. Well, the, his butt is a focus of right. a lot of interest from <laughs> the press, from her. And, you know, it's, listen, it sounded like a great butt. <laughs> it, it really did, did. Yeah, Tessa really did a great job of de- describing his ass in a way that made it very appealing. He was very <laughs> embarrassed about it because it got a lot of attention in the press. He wouldn't go out running because people would take pictures of his butt. And you know what? I'm Twitter jealous. <laughs> yeah, there's a Twitter. There was what it was. It was Elijah's Badonkabdonk or something. I the name of it. But the, yeah, the Twitter account just dedicated to his butt, which I which is so Twitter to me that it made me laugh. <laughs> they were, I will say they were kind of fun in this, in the, the chapters they had the little the gossip sites and the and the Twitter account stuff the headlines that, yeah because I was like I was like these feel very much like what you would see on on gossip sites and 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 then the personification of the butt tweeting which was <laughs> pretty great yeah. honestly but yes the the hero's butt is a is a huge is a huge focus I think which I was which but I was surprised I turned to my husband at one point and I was like. She's putting a finger up his butt. Like when the, I don't remember the last time I read this, and he's into it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we've read any books with digital insertion, right? We have. It's hard oh. to remember what has been for the podcast and what has been for me, but I do feel like I've seen it before. Not uh, often, though. Yeah, I mean, it was fun to wa- read, but it's definitely not a lot. I um, doesn't she? Doesn't she lick? She licks him too, mm-hmm. yeah. A little bit, which that she again does is a, a thing. Ass eating, yeah. yeah. Which again is a thing that doesn't happen a lot. I was like Tessa, this is exciting. This is like this is like pegging too. It's like we don't really get every time it happens. It's it's so it's so scarce still that I'm just delighted. I'm like this is fantastic. <laughs> Well, I think something that I really I loved this book so much, but I think something that I found really interesting about it was the sense of place of Charleston where it was great because I couldn't picture this book also existing anywhere else. Hmm. I've been to Charleston. I have like family in Charleston. So I've been a few times and it's like, obviously it's a beautiful city, but there's a, you know, a little bit of a darkness to it too. But there, you could definitely see how when his family is that concerned about appearances and dating the right woman and all those things, it all felt very real to that place where I think that that can be the issue with contemporary sometimes is stakes. It's really hard because it's like, we're all grown ups in 2021. If you want to be with somebody, just be with somebody. Um, but I think having it be in Charleston and in this certain group of people, it made it feel very real that, he would face major consequences by dating Addison in a way that he wouldn't dating Naomi or another woman like Naomi. Yeah. It's the whole, well, it's the old money thing, right? Families coming from old money, <clears throat> families that probably go back generations in, in Charleston. And 
not only that, but then then you get the the wrench in there where there is a little bit of a of a sexual indiscretion that ends up ends up revealing that Addison and Naomi are actually half sisters. So that's a thing that pub, for public appearances, the family Elijah's family does not want to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. I I like how the book definitely doesn't. Um, I think sometimes, and we and we get this a lot in like a celebrity romance too, where the the celebrity, whoever it is in question, and they're usually dating like a regular person or whatever, having romance with a regular person, and then there's always somebody in their life that's like, this I don't know, if this is going to be good press for you. You've got a huge movie coming up or a big opportunity or blah blah blah. Uh, Tessa does this in another book, Fix Her Up, which is about uh, kind of childhood friends to lovers, and the guys like he's like a retired baseball player. He's up for like a hosting gig and he's the hero. He, they're like worried that the heroine's relationship is going to threaten his ability to like land the job. Um, Cause it's not good press or whatever. <laughs> so I, I, I think sometimes with those kinds of books though, they don't really, they don't fully explore what the ramifications could be in terms of the public, the public eye and, and public perception. And I do feel like this book did a good job of, tackling that it didn't it didn't shove them together and they'd be like it's fine they'll never have any problems no one's gonna have any bad reactions to this it's gonna be you know i think there's a lot of a lot of times the romances will be like no one can stop us it's us against the world we're meant to be together and then they just don't you know they don't deal with the very real world issues that would come into play so i feel like this book did a good job of honestly addressing what what some of the issues would be not just in terms of you know, the audience and, and his in his voting public or whatever, but within the family too, how how family members would react. So Yeah, I was so the thing with Elijah though, he seemed to court that in a way only because when he starts showing up at her place and basically living there he had to have known that that was going to create issues. And when he was doing it, I don't feel like he was thinking as much as he should have about how this would affect Addison. And I know they both Mm -hmm. wanted to have something happen, but if you're trying to keep things quiet and you're trying to not draw somebody into controversy, you really shouldn't like, just go over their house and stay there every night. You know, it just did seem kind of like reckless in my mind. I think part of it is it's like selfishness because it's the whole like, this is new and exciting. But also I think he was in denial about his own feelings at that point. Like he kept in, oh, we're just friends, right? We're just friends. We're just hanging out. We're having a good time. We're making sandwiches. We're decorating (laughs) snowmen. Putting balls on snowmen. There's a there's a huge part of this book that is they're not even romantically involved yet. And he, I think Elijah's kind of in denial about his true feelings. So he's, so he's like, I can go over. It's fine. We're just friends. I'll, I'll invite my friends over for dinner at her place. You know, that kind of thing. Like, I think there's a huge part where he's like, you know, in spite of the sexual attraction that they both have, uh, she doesn't want to act on it for her own reasons, but then he's also like, it's fine. We're friends. We can hang out. It's cool. You know, we got to talk about him showing up unannounced <laughs> with his friends and a kid. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was dumb. Well, what I like about Elijah too, is like, he does feel like a real person in the way that like, he really does weird things sometimes And the way that I think like actual human beings walking around will do things and not be totally conscious of their actual motives. I think Mm -hmm. that that happens with Elijah continuously in this book. And I mean, that's not a cool thing to do to show up to somebody else's apartment with three extra people, one of who is a child, especially she has arts and crafts stuff everywhere. Like you need a second to prepare. She doesn't have any food like ready for them. It's kind of a nightmare, but you can see that Elijah's like, I want to show you that I'm not embarrassed of you. And I also want my friends to meet you to see if, you know, if it could work. Great. Shoot me a text first. Admit that to himself. Yeah, I know. It's that was my nightmare. Like this 
became a horror <laughs> novel when he shows up with those people and, and the kids. And also, he kind of just moves himself in, in a, in a weird way, too. And then in the scene where she's getting ready to, to run in the beginning of the morning... And she's wearing a sports bra and he keeps referring it, referring to it as a, just a bra. And I was like, you've never heard of a sports bra. You don't understand <laughs> that people run in sports bras, but he, he you're going to go out like that. Yeah, yeah. You have not ever on the street seen somebody in a, in a workout bra. And then he goes into the room and relieves himself on. He calls it his room now because I guess he's, you know, he's staying there. On her duvet cover or whatever, like, uh, and, and dude, you gotta be prepared for this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, he really made himself at home in a way that I was not comfortable with. At least he did the laundry after, though. He immediately washed the duvet cover. <laughs> he was like, "I put it in the laundry before I left for work. I didn't leave my my stuff all over her." <laughs> but dude, I mean, paper towel, something like you gotta get something going on there. Like, you gotta be. It's like. You got to be like Dexter, man. Just like throw down a tarp or something because this isn't your house. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's one of those tropes in romance that always cracks me up, honestly, because the whole sports bra thing, it's just it's it's such an example of how so often in romance a hero will just react so much to the heroine doing something that normal people do every day, but because it's her doing it, it automatically is like, I can't let anyone see, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little alpha hero to me where he's like, you can't go out in that. People will see you. And that pink, it reminds me of your <laughs> other yeah. parts yeah. or whatever, whatever it was. That was the, that was the big part was the, the, the color of it is he was thinking inappropriate thoughts, you know, and she was also doing very bendy stretches in the living room. So I think at some point we can be like, it's a little understandable that he would uh, have some reaction to that. But it, it yeah. there were times where I was like, he did feel like a Southern gentleman, but then he would turn around and kind of exhibit a little, a little alphaness in my opinion. Well, yeah, uh, he was, compl- yeah. He was so he- crazy jealous. I mean, I think this is the first like contemporary alpha that we've read mm. because he was almost like a historical hero in how he was always thinking like mine and I have to protect her. And can you believe she's going out running? And and I don't know about the neighborhoods of Charleston, but I imagine it's like a fairly safe neighborhood wherever she lives. If she is running every morning, I think she can make her own choices if that's dangerous or not. Right. I, and um, honestly, he wasn't even that. I, I've read, definitely read other books where the hero was way more alpha. I think he had he had weaker tendencies than even, even some other contemporary, like, or like a paranormal in comparison. Oh, my gosh. But. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But for sure, it's 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 interesting how in the even in the book, he goes from like, I have this connection to this woman to being like no one else can touch her. <laughs> it, it's it's a journey <laughs> yeah he got so jealous of his dad's um i guess well it was his it, it was his assistant yeah his yeah, dad's the chief of staff yeah, yeah. a chief of staff when like she had made a tossed off comment like maybe we can see other people and then he was so insanely jealous when she shows up at the inauguration with him but as a reader and we know like this isn't she has no feelings for this guy at all. She thought he was maybe a little bit handsome, but otherwise there was like nothing there. And he was so freaking obsessed with it in a way that was kind of off putting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the yeah. alpha tendency that that is just an alpha tendency. And, you know, it's something you have to deal with when you read these books. Right. Cause his, like that's for his inauguration, like at that stage, they're dating mm-hmm. and his mother has like, I found that part so confusing because I was like, what is his mother's plan that Preston would come and pick her up? Because he is an aide to the mayor. So if like the aide to the mayor comes by and says the mayor wants you here, a reasonable person to be like, this checks out. And then it was just that like people were taking pictures of the two of them outside. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It was it was so people would see them together and think. Because then at one point he pressed, I think it's Preston, he like puts his hand on her back mm-hmm. and people are taking pictures of it. So I think it it was 
partly for the photo op, honestly, that people would see it and go, oh, she's with, you know, especially because I think, I don't think at that point they're Elijah and Addison, are they public with their relationship yet? I can't remember, like public in terms of, in terms of the press knowing, or have they kind of just been like, we're, we're living together. It's not weird at all. Um, I can't remember, but it was, I think it was think definitely to stage, to stage the interaction in front of people. Yeah, to make it seem like because in the chapter, the chapter heading, there was those gossip nuggets and one of them was getaway girl finds a new man or something. So uh, okay. obviously it was to create controversy of some sort. But yeah, that even that <laughs> didn't seem like it was going to do much. And it's like so easily unraveled that that attempt where you could easily have just talked to each other and be like, yeah, no, your mom did this. And right. That's weird. As soon and as they were alone, as soon as they were alone, the truth came out. Like it, it took two seconds after he got sworn in to be like, it didn't mean anything. And then let's have really emotional, hot sex in the, in the room. That was great. <laughs> that was oh, good. Yeah. And then she confesses that she loves him and he just says nothing. <gasps> yes. yes. That was fully tears. I did oh. cry. That was that was so rough. He just let her leave. And at that point, too, I was so pissed at him. I'm like, go. I'm like, I have to go back to Brooklyn. <laughs> it was good. It was good angst, though. I liked I there are times when I feel like Tessa writes a lighter books. And then this this one, I was like, man, she's going. She's not pulling any punches. She's going for the gut. Um, I also did. I do feel like something like that, though, is so genuine. You know, I, a lot of times you, you see in a romance that someone has a love confession and the other person for whatever reason can't, can't return the words yet. But then again, it's the misunderstanding of like, well, they can't say they love me back yet. So clearly that means they don't, you know, when it's usually a a whole nother separate reason that we, (laughs) that they just haven't, like you said, Aaron, they just have not talked about yet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what I thought was interesting too, that that Tessa did, like, now I get everybody out there. I get it. I get what you wanted us (laughs) to read these books. These are great. She's fantastic. Out of this world. But what I thought was really good, because it's alternating point of views in this book um, of Elijah and Addison, is when you were in Addison's point of view and Elijah would say something, you would almost feel her then drifting off and thinking something completely different from what he was saying. And it felt very real because I think um, when you're in a relationship with somebody, there does come a point where you are just anticipating what that person's going to say. And I think you you could hear her being like, well, based on my past experiences, this is how this relationship is going to go. So when he would say something, she would then drift off and not listen to the rest of it. And so there, there was a level, I think, of misunderstanding that happened in this book but not like the big romance misunderstanding that's like the third act problem but in a way that felt like yeah these are two people in conversation in a relationship who are trying to relate to each other but don't can't really get there because of past their own past shit which I think is really really hard to do and was done like really really beautifully here because so much of Eliza's like he came from a very repressed house where appearances were everything and you don't really question the way things have been done. And so then when he's, this person is in front of him who is completely different than anything else. And he has a, like this huge sexual attraction to, he doesn't have the words to say, this is what I want, you know? So it made sense when he didn't say it back, but I was still pissed at him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need the grovel. That's, that's all I'm going to say. It's if it's not adequate, I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. (laughs) <laughs> you gotta do more work more work please um how would you feel about a man taking an axe to the bed for you oh I that mean, was hot if, if it was the bed that he bought with his ex-fiance i would i would be into it if it was just a random bed then i'd be like why are you wasting a perfectly good bed but yeah what if he <laughs> got frustrated trying to put an ikea bed together <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, right? Some yeah. Kind of yeah. Furniture. So. No, I thought that was cool. I mean, it's always great when a guy splits. Uh, he split that headboard in one smooth move. 
which is so skillful and very exciting as a person who has done, you know, chopped wood. When you go straight through, it's the best feeling in the world. (laughs) So I'm imagining he was psyched when he did that. Like as much as he was being like, I'm going to do this for you. I think when he sliced that in half, he thought to himself, he's like, oh, that felt really good. That was cool. (laughs) I look really cool right now. It was good. It was it was well, it was a symbol, right, of of the whole like, well, she didn't want to sleep in the bed because it was it was something that he had purchased for a woman that was not her and him being like, you know what? You're right. It's gone. Forget about it. It's gone. We're going to get rid of it. Yeah, in the most dramatic fashion possible, too. (laughs) Right. right. Yeah, he didn't just, like, post it on Craigslist. (laughs) (laughs) Called junk luggers. No. Stupers. He just threw, yeah, he he fucked it all out the window, which is great. And how much fun would it be to have been out that window and just be like, what is happening across the street? That's what I loved when the press press asked him about it later, because he must just have people staking out his house all the time uh and being like what was with the mattress <laughs> just all of a sudden flew out the window yeah he was like i i don't know just decided to get a new one <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to have to bring it down those stairs mm-hmm. so what did we think about the end where she almost dies kayaking <laughs> yes it's <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> it's so yeah well because there's the runner of her with her grandmother which i also really loved like the reason that she's in charleston is to like take care of her grandmother's things but she ends up sort of living there obviously and they're falling in love um but she really wanted to drop her grandmother's ashes on this one little island in the river and so as she was like leaving him she went during a storm and I think I've worked too too long in service because when she goes up to the little kayak hut and it's like, just let me just I'll be back in no time. And the guy is like, OK, fine. And I'm like, man, this guy has to do all this closing paperwork again. And he has to wait there <laughs> for her to come back. Yeah, <laughs> that was besides the point. Uh, but I'm always thinking about the service people. I'm like, they just want to close. Um, but I loved that scene, though. So then she goes off and she's. They think she's drowned, but no. Nope. Again, a very um, alpha a alpha display of him, like, stripping her, stripping himself, wrapping them in the blanket, you know, being like, I'll never, I'll never let you go again kind of thing. It did feel very, it, 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 in that way of, like, we, we need to be skin on skin. I got to warm you up, babe. Like... <laughs> It was great, though. I was—I just was imagine so them like in the boat, to get, sitting in the boat together, just cuddling. <laughs> and there's like helicopters, and there's like mm-hmm. all of the police boats and everything. It felt very cinematic. It felt very much like the end of an '80s movie that they were always over the top. And I was just like, yes, like I could just see the shot of like from the helicopter with the spotlight on them, yep. just like cuddling yep. each other. I loved it. Yeah, because sometimes the the quote unquote action sequences of these books kind of come out of nowhere. But the thing with having her kayaking and that being a runner made sense for this to happen at the end. So I wasn't as sometimes I get, uh, well, they're just throwing this thing in here because they want to do something exciting at the end. But I thought this was organic enough for me that it totally worked. Oh, what did we think about Naomi showing up? For that whole, like, well, well, here's the part of it, though, is Addison writes a note to Naomi to get her to go see Elijah, I guess, trying to fix them back up when she after she leaves. Like, she's like, well, I'm going to leave him. So let me try to reunite him with the woman that he's clearly meant to be with. I was actually pleasantly surprised. I feel like. The, the thing that I sometimes don't like about romance is the like the villainization of the ex um, and how often it's like the evil girlfriend or the evil mistress or the evil ex-wife or ex-whoever, you know. Um, but a lot of times it is against, I think it is against female characters. And I, and I, 
I like that the book didn't punish Naomi. It felt like it was more just that she, I think she and Elijah just, they realized they weren't right for each other. Like they didn't have that spark. And I, and I don't know. I wanted to, I wanted to hear what you guys thought about that. Like that scene, that interaction. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that, like you said, it's so easy to make an ex the worst person in the world and a relationship be horrible. And that's why you get out of it or why it ends when like that was you. I think you said it is like they just weren't right for each other. But that doesn't mean either of them are villains. And I think that's the way that people normally break up a lot of times where it's we just don't work. You don't have to be a bad person to break up with somebody or get broken up with. Yeah, because I think Addison has decided that he's still in love with Naomi and that's the reason why he can't like fully be with her. Um, And Addison has this thing of wanting to leave him better than she found him, which is very sweet. I don't, but to sort of not repeat the mistakes of her father. I mean, sorry. Well, yeah, her father and mother. Um. And I, yeah, I thought it was really sweet too. I think it's really brave to call off a wedding. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. whenever I hear that it's happened, I'm like, that's really hard to do to stop that train. I didn't never, I never wanted to call off my wedding, but also in those moments, I was like, wow, we're really moving somewhere fast. Like it, it would be hard. And I like that, too, that even when we're in Elijah's point of view, he never says anything negative about Naomi. Even when he's he compares the two, he's sort of like, well, with Naomi, everything was very structured. And with Addison, it's not. But it was never like, I can't believe this bitch left me at the altar. Like, he never thinks that, you know, he's very like. Well, yeah, she probably had her reasons, but he doesn't even really care, which I think is also shows that she did the right thing. That he never even seemed to have attempted to reach out to her to see if she was okay. He was like, okay, cool. (laughs) This woman I was going to spend the rest of my life with and have children with has decided, left me a note, and that'll be, uh, I can close that door now. Um, But even when she shows up, I think it shows also like how talented Tessa is because we only get that little scene with Naomi and you really felt the whole of who she was and how nervous she was to be there. And she was unsure about the note, but she felt like she had to go um, and was a little bit relieved. I think when she realized that it hadn't been Elijah who wrote it. I mean, we'll see what, we'll see why Naomi uh, didn't want to come back because the next book is, is her, uh, her romance, which I was like, this is fantastic, by the way. That I I always love it in a in a series where an author sets a character up that you think shouldn't get a happy ending necessarily. Although in this case, I don't think it's true because Naomi, you know, it was obviously very clear that they weren't meant for each other. But you get the other side of that. So I was like, oh, the next book's Naomi's. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I even though I have uh, fourteen hundred books that I need to read for various reasons. Uh, I immediately download Runaway Girl, which is the next one. And I started reading it because I was like, just for a little bit. Right. Um, And something that's fantastic is, I guess this is a spoiler for the second book, but it's within the first like few pages that Naomi sees Addison through a window. And that's sort of what sets her off to realize that she doesn't want to marry Elijah. And I love that it's like this moment is a cat is cataclysmic for both of them for different reasons. Um, I just thought that was really smart and interesting. Yeah. And I would love to see this play out in like an eight episode series. If right. anyone wants to option it, I think it would be so good. That'd be good. Cause I, cause I think one of the things with, with Bridgerton was that you could definitely tell that they didn't have enough with the Simon Daphne love story to fill all those episodes. So they had to, they had to start building in the other relationships. So I feel like if you did like a dual romance, because I, I believe that um, runaway girl takes place. It's basically the exact same time as getaway girl. It's just different. It's Naomi's versus Addison's. You could literally do a dual, a romance story with Addison and Naomi having their love stories at the same time. And I think that would be such a great Netflix series. So then there must yeah. be a scene in Runaway Girl where 
she talks to to um, Elijah, right? I mean, they'll do that scene again, I would assume. Yeah, prop from her perspective. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, where she gets the note. Because part of it, too, is, you know, she runs from her wedding and then meets this guy who's also like, but you have a fiancé to get back to, don't you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's do it. Would we fuck them? Yes and yes. I mean, with that but... <laughs> absolutely with that butt i definitely (laughs) i definitely circle around the edges of that took us um yeah so i would say yes and yes yeah i mean they both seem to be very good at sex they both seem very like sexy they're written in such a real way that yes for sure definitely i want a girl that will drive up pick me up with a ball of goose and the so oh, here, that's... here's some alcohol. That's why he calls her Goose the whole the whole time, which I th- actually thought was really cute. Their little their little nicknames for each other, Goose, I Goose, love... and Colonel. Very precious. Yeah. That was great. Well, I think something too about this book that I found really interesting is how it was almost like faded mates or love at first sight. Like she sees him at the mm-hmm. altar and she's like oh, I can't watch this person marry somebody else. Like she yep. has decided in those few seconds that she's in love with him. And then I love how bold it is to just be like, hey, stranger, do you want to get in my car and come to my grandma's wacky Christmas decorated apartment? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and that just seems so bold. I love that as well. Yeah, that was I, that the whole Christmas store thing I was worried was going to be too kind of kitschy and twee for me, but it didn't turn out to be that way because there's that thing where somebody has one of the protagonists has a weird job. And that always is one of those things that I'm just not a huge fan of, but I think it was done well, which that's, that's such a hard trope for me to like. Yeah. I mean, I did spend more time than I'd like to admit thinking about, like, how good is she at handicrafts that going from not knowing that these were homemade to making them herself and selling them, you know, there has to be like a level of experience there. Because how could you sustain yourself on selling like handmade ornaments? Yeah, they probably looked a mess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the grandma's looked a mess and hers probably looked a mess. And that might have been part of the charm. I don't know. Yeah, that is possible. I, it also is like, is she subletting the Brooklyn apartment? I think as a New Yorker, it's very hard because I only think of things in real estate. So I'm like, does she have to get back? Did she give up her apartment? Well, the fourth book is about the apartment, just about the apartment. Oh, good. Yeah. And 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 <laughs> and trying apartment to find a subletter girl. and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy the book didn't go into that. That's my own like psychosis. It's not something that I felt was lacking, actually. All right, Goodreads lists. Not on many lists. This is a newer book. This was published in 2018, but still, I felt like there should be more lists. That's not that new. That's three years ago. Can you believe Jeez, that? Crow. Yeah. I know. No. This is like when I'm on TikTok and then the makeup girls are like, I'm going to do a throwback to 2009 makeup. And I'm like, that was like last year. I know. Like, no, that was half their lifetime ago. It's very hard to swallow. Okay. Goodreads list. Books that should be made into movies. Well, we said TV, so. But yes, I agree. It should be. That's like an old school thought of things being made into movies, where now it definitely would just be, would this be a TV series? And I think we can all agree that, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think if you stack both books, go back and forth, there's more than enough there. Romantic gestures. Sure. Uh, elaborate, <laughs> list maker. <laughs> like, what's the gesture? I mean, there's a few in this, but what are they specifying? Who knows? I don't know. It's just the list. Okay. Well, yeah, but yes, I mean, they the can't list. go uncommented upon. If anybody has like a idea as to what gesture specifically that they're mentioning. Because it's well, what gesture house. would it be? Is it oh, the, the yeah, house she, giving 
giving her the house to stay in. That that was the big one for me. I was like, damn, he's giving her a whole house to, to live in. I love how she's like, you can't stay here with me. And he's like, well, what if I just stay here by myself? I was like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. That was weird. The logistics of that were very confusing to me because she moved into like this big house on the battery, which is amazing. And then he has all of his stuff at the Dewberry, the hotel, but then he's just also staying at the at her grandmother's apartment every once in a while, like a few nights a week. Yeah. That all that all felt very discombobulated. It was weird. It, I mean, it was definitely a I think it was a little contrived to get both of them into the big house uh, at some point. <laughs> but yeah. he was like, what if I just stay in your grandmother's apartment by myself and you can have my big house that I don't care about? And I was like. Okay, dude, sure. <laughs> well, that's privilege. That's like him, I mean, wanting yeah. to downsize in a way that I was thinking, okay, dude, come on. Just, you know, you got so many places to choose to live. Just pick the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of that in this book, too, of like him clearly having, and this isn't a book about like white privilege or anything, but like the the amount of that, the way that he moves through the world and the way that he moves through society is a very specific way of a very specific person. Um, and I think he had to be like disillusioned of, a, of, of some of that. But yeah, that he has this big house and he also has this room at a very nice hotel. And then also... And it took him longer than I thought to to realize that the reason he liked going to the grandmother's apartment was because Addison was there. Like, he really thought he was like, oh, I just love this, like, kitschy woman's apartment. And then finally, after staying there a few nights, he was like, it's because my best friend isn't here that this isn't the same. <laughs> he's, not like, the, right. he's not the right. He's not the brightest bulb, Elijah, honestly. He's really Listen, not. I don't know that Elijah would be mayor if his father wasn't mayor. And yeah. that was a level of political <laughs> nepotism I didn't love. But, you know, I just went with it. His brains are in his ass. Yeah. He's a sweet, he's a sweet, dumb man. <laughs> he's a sweet, dumb, our mayor, the sweet, dumb man with a great ass. <laughs> well, she does make sure that maybe wants to be more progressive than his father and do like stuff for schooling and stuff. So I'm like, all right, good. Well, if he, if he ends up decent. All right. Um, first person POV. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disappointed in these lists. I gotta say, I mean, people, the, they're tell. not great. I don't want to oversell them. These are the best lists we've had. And I don't want you to think, Aaron, I'm not blaming you. This, all of this is not aimed towards you, even though I know you're the one reading the list. So it feels that way. Believe me, that's not how I'm intending it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> my favorite slow burn romance. Okay, I agree with this list. Yeah. It was pretty it slow burn. Yeah. yeah. It takes them a minute. Which which honestly I think makes the uh sex scene in the office that much hotter because you've had the built so much build up to you know, election night or whatever and then they're just like and when she's sitting on his lap and and takes the selfie of them and then sees in the picture in the in the camera that he's like I'm ready to get you. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but she's like, she sees that look in his face. She's like, oh my gosh, this is way hotter than I expected a, self, a cute selfie to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, And then he puts it on his desk, which I think is so, he has it in a photograph. The scene where his mom comes to visit and he's looking at the picture of the two of them and it's the photo that she took right before they had sex, which I just think is really funny. That's cool. <laughs> Like, Elijah's a little dirty, which I like, too. Yeah. That, I mean, as far as first sex scenes go, like, that's up there. I thought that was really, really great. Um, It pays off their attraction. And was, like, super sexy. You felt it so much where you were like, ah, finally, they're doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last is Opposites Attract. I mean, they're not specifically stationed as opposites really other than i guess wrong side of the tracks you know like economically they're Mm -hmm. you know different but i don't know if they're personality wise that diametrically opposed 
But I think it's also that she's very like loose and brash and lives a certain way. And he's very buttoned up and thinks about tradition and family and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Carly, did you do tropes? Um, yeah, I did a couple. Well, well, alpha hero for sure. We already had kind of mm-hmm. talked about that. Um, and then I had also put class difference, which I think Clayton, you just kind of touched on like wealthy hero, uh, working class heroine kind of thing. Um, oh, dirty talking hero. Obviously that's kind of a given with Tessa Bailey, but those, those were the three that I had. That's good. Nice. I had a butt Twitter. (laughs) Huge one. Um, Yeah. So it would, I guess it wouldn't be runaway bride because that it's in that, but it's not the main point. of The the next one is more runaway bride for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So jilted, Mm -hmm. I guess more jilted lover or, you know, that would be one. Um, Aaron, did what, you what, not, did you write it down? No, I did it. I I'm being honest. I didn't. I didn't write down any tropes this time. I should have, but I didn't. And I feel bad about it. Can, and you can see my shame. <laughs> Both of you can see my shame. You I was are trying to pretend read. like I had a list, but it just wasn't working. <laughs> you guys all knew. <laughs> that was a good one. I can at least Jil- tell. Yeah. Jilted, jilted groom, or whatever. Jilted, jilted. At the wedding. Yeah. And then, but, but Twitter was my but big Twitter. one that I thought would just bring down the house and I wouldn't have to say anything else. <laughs> uh, all right. My tropes. Uh, left at the altar. Love at first sight. Hmm. Great asses. Because they spend a lot of time on his ass, but it seems really warranted. Um, rich hero, poor heroine. Although she doesn't seem poor because she doesn't. Seem to really worry about money, but not like from the same class. Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing with loss because she's lost her grandmother. Sex at work. He oh. has a lot of sex in government offices. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or when, or when he's supposed to be going to work and is late yes. and is late to work because he was having sex, which I thought was pretty. Like he was <laughs> that one scene where he's like, "I just rolled up two hours late to work because I was." <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I like started doing an accent for that, but <laughs> no, it's okay. It's great. He also was late to work cleaning the duvet cover he jerked off on. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know that he's the best choice for Charleston, but I'm happy that he was. <laughs> it's only mayor. It's he's not a governor. I'm, I feel like yeah. it's some. I'm like, all right, mayor. I can probably excuse a little bit. A mayor's like um, ceremonial, as opposed to senator or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's hopefully not doing too much. Uh, oh, yeah, when he's in his truck and he's like, I'm smiling too big. Everyone's going to know that I just fucked my girlfriend. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so he assumes everybody that's smiling has just fucked. <laughs> he's like, why is that baby smiling? What? That's gross. Oh, God, clean. Uh, Secret lovers. He tries to keep her a secret for a long time. Friends to lovers. Um, they talk a lot about the other one being their best friend. I don't, I know Clayton doesn't, but do you watch Vanderpump Rules, Carly? No. (laughs) I know, I do know the show, but I don't watch it. It is uh, unequivocally the greatest show on television. But, (laughs) um, there's one of the characters on the show who whenever she has a crush on somebody and people are like, you have a crush on this guy. She's like, no, he's my best friend friend Sheena Shea everyone who watches the show know and so anytime that they were just like I don't like her she's just my best friend I kept thinking of like Sheena this character anyway that would have been interesting if either of you had watched the show you would be like yes (laughs) Pat right now who's not on screen is agreeing with me I can feel it um so you don't even know if he is you you just can feel it I know I know that he knows Sheena and I know that he has heard Sheena say He's no, he Rob is my best friend. Uh, we watch Vanderpump Rules, that's our that's our big uh reality show together. And you know, uh, let's see what happens next season. Okay, Alpha Hero, secret families because she's secretly a sister, dirty talk, steamy romance, slow burn, 
you almost died. I love you. Mm. I like when a love confession comes after the hero thinks that the heroine is dead, <laughs> which is yeah. niche. A near death experience uh, is so good. Yeah. Running away and then hiding your girlfriend, which I guess I pretty much had on there twice. And that's, those are my tropes. I got one last one. Okay. Spreading ashes and spreading asses. <laughs> Specifically for this book, it's the one time that trope works. I think I made or up for not having any there, other tropes. That's the only one that matters. If anyone out there knows another one. Oh my gosh. If there's a second book to go on this on that list, I would I would read it immediately. Should I just start a Goodreads list that is spreading asses yeah, and yeah. spreading ashes? You should. What a weird fetish for somebody to have. Yeah, it's very specific. It, it's like one of those rules of romance we don't talk about enough. We're like, you know, if you have somebody who's spreading ashes, there also needs to be yeah, salad tossing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody's going to be being like, oh, well, someone has ashes to spread. Oh, there's going to be ass play in this book. <laughs> um, nice. Do we have anything else to add to Getaway Girl? I don't think so. No, I th- I think we we did it. Nice. Um, do you have a swoon, Carly? Remind me again <laughs> what the swoon is. <laughs> a swoon it's can a- be anything. So a swoon can be like a TV show that you've really liked, a book. Oh, okay, We've that's, done, right, that's right. Like that's another right. podcast. You know. Yeah, that's right. Um. Oh my gosh, what have I even been? Let's see. Well, WandaVision, I'm super into right now. I actually was just on another podcast talking about how the latest episode actually did some romance really well, which is not a thing that the MCU always uh, tackles or gives attention to. But I will say in terms of a book that I just read and swooned over and cried over, uh, Kate Claiborne's Love at First is phenomenal. I... Mm -hmm. I read it in two days, um, and by the end, I was a weeby mess, and I was like, everyone needs to read this book right now. It's so good. So that's probably my, the two, WandaVision and Love at First. Great. Kate is awesome. Yeah, yeah that book is is phenomenal. Love at First was so good. And it's out now, so you can get it. Yes. And I... I'm not like I have I like all of Marvel has managed to pass me by culturally. (laughs) I just don't. And everyone kept talking about WandaVision. So I'm like, I have to watch it. And I can say as somebody coming into it all cold, Mm -hmm. there's a lot I don't get. But it is it does hold up even if you don't know all of the layers and everything. Um, And I've been really enjoying it, too. Like, I get that I probably could be enjoying it on like a deeper level if I knew like what Ultron was or. (laughs) <laughs> the reveal <laughs> or the reveal of um Catherine Hahn's character but it still is it's really interesting really well done and Elizabeth Olsen is just fantastic she's so good yeah I know everybody keeps saying she needs an Emmy but I'm like I don't know I feel like I feel like I don't trust the Emmys enough to award a Marvel sh- show for anything so I'm like yeah we'll see I don't know it's great though the last episode I cried like three times just because I, I was, was so, so good. Uh, good romance stuff. I always, I said on Twitter too, but I was like, any show that finally gets me to believe in a ship that I did not care about in the movies at all, like that's a sign of a good, of a good romance to me. Cause it was some, they, they were two characters I did who I did not care about at all. And then I turned around and I was like, I'm, I'm having emotions. He bought her a plot for a house. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a lot. So. Yeah, it's um, oh, it's it's funny that the MCU stuff is getting to the point where it's actually like what reading comics is like as in it's so dense and there's it's so full of stuff you need to have already known because when I started reading comics when I was a kid it was uh in the early 90s and you would just pick up you know Fantastic 4 number 340 something and there'd be you know 30 years of stuff you'd never read and you had to just kind of pick it up and figure out from context or then read 
you know, go back and read. And that's what be like if you're dropped into Marvel right now, that's what it feels like. I don't know if that's a good thing, but it definitely is exactly the way I remember, you know, being introduced to comics. So it's like weird that it's become that the same thing. For sure. Yeah. Just an aside. Well, sorry. I uh, no, but I admire also the amount of work that goes because I like I always think of everything from a writing perspective and the amount of planning and writing and forethought that has to go into all of these to keep all of this going. I think is like really really fantastic. So even though it's like. Not for me as a genre, like I really appreciate like the craft going into it is so high. Yeah. And Paul Bettany is so good. Yeah. He's, uh, (laughs) look, I have, I still have feelings about seeing Vision in that sweater from the last episode. (laughs) He came in the room and I was like, I need a moment. Just let (laughs) me, just let me look at this for a second. Um, No, those are great swoons. Clayton, what has you swooning? So My Spoon is a book that I have been reading. I'm not done with it yet. It's pretty thick, but it is the Mike Nichols biography written by Mark Harris. And Mike Nichols, you know, graduate, catch 22, closer. I mean, the guy has done everything. He's, he's, of course, you know, his Nichols and May, one of the original... Uh, comedy duos to do improv and be famous for it. It's just fascinating. He's just a really interesting character. I read a book that came out uh, one or two years ago that was kind of a weird oral history told through his friends that was really interesting. But this book gives more of a full picture of his life, where he came from. And I just think it's really well-written, really good, And if you're a fan of Mike Nichols or if you're just a fan of, you know, New York in the 60s and 70s or just, I guess, culture in the last, you know, 40 years, 40 or 50 years, (laughs) I would say definitely read this book. So Mike Nichols by Mark Harris. Aaron, what are you swinging about? The book is called Mike Nichols. It's called Mike Nichols. Great, listen, great title for a biography. Yeah. Scooped it up. Um, so I'm also reading a book. It's called The Science of Storytelling by Will Storr. Um, and it's an interesting book. I, th- I guess it's based on a class that this guy does, but it sort of goes into the science of storytelling, you know. I'm, I don't know why I'm describing this so poorly, something that I enjoy, <laughs> but why, why, why people connect with certain stories and don't connect with other stories? What are the elements that are necessary to telling a good story? Um, and it's funny. A lot of it is he talks a lot about the book, The Remains of the Day. Um, I can't remember the author, but and that book is also in Getaway Girl. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that's the book that she like puts the flower in between. So I was like, oh, this seems like it also makes sense. But I think if you are if you are a storyteller yourself, I think it would be really interesting to pick up and and a great way of framing how you think about like creating characters and things like that. Or if you just enjoy stories, I think it, it's really interesting to read, too. Nice. There you go. Um, all right. Well, Carly, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, you have an open invitation. I would love to come back. It's so much fun. I always love listening to you guys talk about books. I'm like, I get to do it this time. It's so fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, nice. I mean, will you listen to this? Because or, can you listen to your voice? Yeah, I'm I'm better about it now than I used to be. Like, because um, I, I used to host a co-host a podcast a long time ago. We did a. I was on a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and we would we were talking about the show on the CW and all this other stuff. And then I got, I kind of got busy with uh, just full-time work commitment. So I had to step back after like a hundred episodes, but um, <laughs> so I'm definitely more used to listening to my voice than I, than I was before I started hosting the podcast. Cause before then I would hear myself on like an answering machine or something and be like, Ooh, that's not okay. No, nope. <laughs> we can, we can skip that, but no, I I'm okay now. Now I like to do it to, to listen back and be like, let me make sure I didn't say anything 
like stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's just double check and make sure I didn't embarrass myself this time. But no, most most of the time I'm I, I can listen to myself. So I will be listening to this probably while I once again while I make breakfast in the morning. Great. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. Um, so how can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I've been writing about romance most recently for Vulture. Um, I'm actually going to be doing a monthly column for them, which I haven't talked about yet, but, um, they do a best books of the year list that gets added to every month. And they reached out to me and said, we want to add romance to this list for like the first time ever. That's so cool. That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm really psyched about it because, I mean, I've talked about this on Twitter a lot if anybody already follows me, but I feel like romance as a genre just gets ignored so much by mainstream outlets. You know, you get best of lists on like NPR and other like really big book sites, New York Times, and and New York Times at least has, has definitely started to lean more towards romance coverage. I mean, they have like a, you know, a monthly reviewer and stuff like that but it does feel like in in a lot of these best of lists romance just is not included at all so I was really thrilled when they reached out to me and were like we vulture wants to add romance to our best of fiction of the year so I'm excited to get to to just shine a light on give some give some romance some love in in places that it doesn't normally get it so That'll, that'll be fun. So I'm going to, I actually have to go back now for the last three, three months and, and add books from a few, a few months ago, but that'll be fun. Cause honestly, I feel like anytime I'm even stressed out about anything else, if I just sit down and start writing about romance novels, it completely mellows me in a, in a fun way. Cause I'm like, huh. I just get to write, I get to write about things I love. Like it's great. That's so awesome. I'm, I'm excited about that. So that, that you can look for that. I think, I think March is going to be the first uh, installment that goes up, but it'll be for the last three months of, of releases. So that's awesome. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, Aaron, where can they find us? <laughs> um, so if you have time, please rate, review, subscribe. It's how people find us. You guys are really awesome at doing that. So we really appreciate it. Um, if you want to suggest a book, uh, maybe a suggest a book for Clayton's new Goodreads list, um, learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter at learning tropes on Instagram at learning the tropes. And then we have our Facebook group. They're learning the tropes. True. And that's us. Yeah. All right. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.